The Justice for All podcast is sponsored by Jose Pistolas. Jose Pistolas is your neighborhood bar with a huge sports problem. If you want the best in modern Mexican cuisine and a side of crushing margaritas while being surrounded by the best draft list and craziest staff in town, head down to Jose Pistolas, located at 263 South 15th Street in the heart of the city of brotherly love. listening to Justice for All, a podcast brought to you by the law offices of Scarpello and Latour. Each week, our experts provide insight on topics involving the law, entertainment, and sports. And now, without further ado, put your hands together for the host of Justice for All, Josh Scarpello and Pierre Latour. Hello again, everybody. This is Josh Scarpello back again on the podcast Justice for All with my partner in crime, Pierre Latour. Hello, everybody. And today we've uh, we've spent several episodes talking about areas of the law, mostly most of them dedicated to areas in the criminal law. Today we're going to talk about an area in the civil law um, because at Scarpello and Latour, we're more than just a great defense. We are lawyers that specialize not only in defending people that are charged with crimes, but also in fighting for the recovery of those that have been injured. Let's talk though, Pierre, what's the first thing to do if you are involved in an automobile accident? What what bit of advice would you give our listeners? Well, I mean, you see, this is probably one of the most common types of cases that we encounter on the civil side are, are car accidents. Um, anytime that you're involved in any type of car accident, um, there are several things you really need to do. Uh, number one is if you can, if you haven't been severely injured, pull over and make sure you call the police. Now, why uh, is that important to get the police involved? It's in, And again, the police aren't coming there to do any type of real investigation. They're not there to really assign blame. But what you're doing is by calling the police, you are generating paperwork, right? You're creating what's called a police report, an accident report. In the city of Philadelphia and in other jurisdictions around Philadelphia and New Jersey, and we cover cases in Philadelphia and New Jersey, when you call the police, at some point the police are going to arrive and they're going to get they're going to take down in their report a bunch of information. Most importantly, they're going to take down all of your information, including your driver's license and your insurance uh, registration and paperwork, and the information from the other driver that was involved. They are also going to take a sketch, at least sketch out the uh, the scene of the accident, including the intersection that it may have occurred on or the roadway. They are going to note important factors on that accident report, including the time of day, what the lighting was like, whether or not the intersection was controlled by a stop sign or a, uh, a traffic light. Um, and all of those are, it's important information that's basically taken by a third party, right? And that's important because what happens all the time in these types of accidents, if you don't have a police report, is it turns into a he said, she said, right? right, right. Somebody's going to say, oh, no, no, it was raining that day. No, it was clear. No, the no, the accident happened in the middle of the intersection. No, it happened before the intersection. You sideswiped me. No, you hit me in the back. So 
always call the police and wait for them to arrive and get that information. Now, on top of that, you yourself, I mean, everybody these days has a cell phone, right? Everybody's cell phone has two things on it. It's got a camera that can take pictures, Mm -hmm. and it's got basically a video recorder that can take video. Um, You're entirely within your rights, and you should immediately take photographs and or video of the damage to your vehicle and the other vehicle. Now, Let's jump in here. Why is that important? What 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 purpose will those fo- photos serve down the road? Because what you're, you're what you're able to do right there is document the scene, right? You may need this later on, especially if the insurance company or the other driver fights you, which they almost certainly will. We see this all the time in cases in which you know a client of ours is sitting at a red light or a stoplight when all of a sudden they are hit from behind by another driver, right? You would think the liability would be clear. Clearly, you are not at fault, right? You were struck from behind. You were obeying all the traffic signals. But you would be surprised in this day and age, the number of insurance companies that will come back and say, oh, it wasn't wasn't our driver's fault, right? right. Or to say, oh, the damage wasn't that bad. Um, if you can document all, that, all those uh, either injuries or damage to vehicles right away, that's very important, especially if you can show that it clearly wasn't your fault. Right, and I think that's, that's a theme of what we're saying here. Insurance companies are going to try to document what happened using their own witnesses and their own techniques. It's important for you to get other people involved, like the police officers, to create that physical report of the accident. And then to also be a self-starter and take photos of your own car to further document the proof that this, A, this accident happened, and the evidence, at least in the photographs themselves, may may lend, uh, you know, credence toward how the accident happened, who's yeah. responsible for it. If you're saying that you got rear-ended, you take a photo of the back of your car, if there's massive uh, body damage there, that supports your claim. Right. Now, we talked also with the police one of the important things about a police report there is, uh, Pierre is correct, when the police come on the scene, they're not necessarily there to take sides. However, getting a police officer involved is another witness, and his report can be very helpful because it will document at least a version of the events. It'll give the time, it'll give the scene, it will list potential witnesses other people that were there, they may... That's a, good, that's a good point. Yeah, they will also, the police sometimes will also go out of their way to at least not get statements, but they'll get names, addresses, and phone numbers of other witnesses who might help you, right? So if there's somebody standing on the corner, they're like, I saw the whole thing. That guy just came barreling down there and smashed right into that guy's car. Then you're giving your lawyer more information. There's no such thing as too much information, right? And here's another point, too, is this. The other reason why you want to start documenting stuff immediately is, again, sometimes in larger cities like Philadelphia, sometimes depending on the day of the week, the police are busy, right? So what will happen sometimes is that you get hit, you're out there, you call the police, and and the police will tell you, well, we'll send somebody. Well, you might be sitting at the side of the road for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. The other person who hit you might say, you know what, I got to get out of here. I got, I got a meeting, or I got this. And listen, they may be truthful, they may be lying. It doesn't matter. There's, they don't necessarily have to stay. All the law requires them to do is to provide their inf- information, unless you've been seriously injured. If you have been, if you have been seriously injured, they're required to stay at the right. scene. But if they provide information, they don't have to wait for the police, which is another reason why you want to document everything in case the other driver leaves before the police arrives. And this goes to our next point, which is. 
get the information of the other driver. The easiest way to do this is again with your phone. Have them show you your their driver's license. Take a picture of, your, of their driver's license. Have them show you a copy of the registration of the vehicle. Take a picture of that registration. And most importantly, most importantly, get a copy of their insurance. Number one, you want to make sure they have insurance, right? The law says you must carry insurance in the state of Pennsylvania and the state of New Jersey if you're driving around a vehicle. Still, lots of people don't carry insurance or some people let it lapse. And then it's going to mean that your company is going to have to be paying for stuff, right? Um, that's underinsured or uninsured motorist coverage, right? So make sure you get a copy of the insurance card, which the other driver is required to carry, right? right. Another another traffic rule um, for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey is at all time people are, re- are required to carry on them their driver's license, their registration, and their proof of insurance. Get a photograph or at least write down the information before that person leaves. Right. Very important. And always a good reason, uh, really, a good reason this in this scenario to get the police involved because not everybody you deal with is going to be the most honest person. And just saying, hey, look, I called 911. The police are on their way may be enough to get that person to stick around um, who, who might otherwise flee the scene. And as Pierre alluded to, that's a crime in Pennsylvania to flee the scene of an accident where somebody's been injured. And at the very least, it's a motor vehicle violation to flee the scene of, of any accident without stopping and giving the other person in that accident your car information, your insurance information. So one way to protect yourself is to, you know, hey, look, get your wits about you, step outside, uh, you know, regardless of what the other person says, let's wait. A police officer is on his way. Now, what about Pierre? You, we're talking about these, you know, these uh, fender benders. Some of them are more serious than fender benders. What do you recommend to the person um, who's hit in an accident and has some injuries, some serious injuries or any injuries? Right. If you're if you're injured, don't don't be a tough guy. Right. Don't sit there and refuse treatment if you are injured. In these cases. Almost all the time, if there's injury, they will dispatch an ambulance, right? The EMTs will arrive, they will check you out, and if you're in pain, go with the ambulance, go to the emergency room, get checked out. Many times, you might think you're not that badly injured when you can be, right? You need to be checked out. You, you, you don't know what types of x-rays or CAT scans or other things might turn up. It's important that you get checked out and cleared. Sometimes, and this does happen, sometimes people get delayed onset of symptoms, right? It happened to me. I, I, I was in a car accident one time, and I actually saw the accident before it happened. I looked in the rearview mirror. I saw the vehicle coming. I knew I was going to get hit. Luckily, I was wearing my seatbelt, and you braced, right? And I got hit. And what happens is, and again, I'm not pretending to be a doctor here, but basically the physiology is is that, you know, the adrenaline starts coursing through your body and you don't feel the effects right away. So in my particular case, and I know this happens to other people, the police might show up and say, are you injured? Are you okay? And you go, well, you check yourself out and you go, no, I, I think I'm okay. And what will happen is the next day or sometimes as long as 48 hours, all of a sudden you can be in a lot of pain. You can get, you can have these, these uh, symptoms, it can be severe neck pain, back pain, uh, leg pain. You know, if, if you didn't realize sometimes, uh, especially in a rear ender or if you're hit from the side, uh, your elbow, your forearm, your head can go into the steering wheel. Things can get bounced around. And sometimes you don't feel the effects of it till later on, okay? So if you don't, 
So always go and get checked out if you can't get checked out or you don't think you need to, but then things um, you feel the symptoms later on, then it's always important to call call an attorney, right? Make the report with your insurance company because, again, with your insurance, you are entitled to uh, what we call PIP or first-party benefits, which cover usually up to $5,000 worth of medical treatment. Right, and, and that's that's kind of segueing or dovetailing into the, into the point that's related to that. You're in an accident. You're injured, but you don't know how, how severely injured. You obviously want to pick up the phone when at the first opportunity and call it into your own insurance company and let them know that you've had an accident. You have an obligation to do that anyway. The reason why you want to seek medical treatment as soon as possible, not only because it's good for you and it might, it might help you recover, but if at a later date, these injuries become chronic or severe or more permanent, the insurance company that you may go against that is, is insuring the other, the other party in the, in the accident, the, par- the party that struck your car, is going to use certain facts against you to try to minimize uh, your claim of damages. For instance, if you don't go leave the scene of the accident in an ambulance, if you decide because you're too busy not to receive treatment for a week or two after the fact, but it turns out you do have a, a, a slip disc or a some sort of permanent injury that didn't um, show itself right at the time of the accident. When you go later for a claim of damages against the person that struck your vehicle, their insurance company is going to use the fact that you didn't immediately go to the hospital, didn't immediately go to the, to the um, doctor at your first opportunity as a sign that you really weren't that hurt and that perhaps... You, uh, you thought about this, and, you, and you're now just trying to make a money grab here. Going and seeking treatment as soon as you can is a good way, again, of documenting the, the injury and also corroborating your side of the story and sort of building up your own credibility here. And as Pierre mentioned here, there's no reason not to because in the average insurance policy, you have built in $5,000 worth of medical insurance coverage for just this scenario, which means you can go to a chiropractor, you can go to a medical doctor, and the first $5,000 are covered regardless of whether you're at fault or not. So there's no reason not to go to the doctor. You need to look out for yourself because, you know, unless you have an attorney, nobody is looking out for you, right? And I, I say that in all, it, it couldn't be more anything more true. Unless you have an attorney, right, like somebody like my partner or myself, um, if you're in an accident, you know, guess what? Your insurance company doesn't really care about you, right? They don't want to spend the money if they can avoid it. The other insurance company of the guy who hit you, well, they certainly don't care about you and they don't want to pay a dime. The police that show up, they don't really care one way or the other, right? They got to fill out paperwork. They probably find it annoying. Nobody there, if you are injured in one of these accidents, really cares about you. You have to look out for yourself, which is why you need to take these steps to protect yourself, and you need to have an attorney that will fight for you and look out for your interests. All right, now let's let's think about the next step of this after the accident has happened, after you've reported it, after maybe you've even climbed in an ambulance and received some treatment. We mentioned you want to pick up that phone and call your own insurance carrier right away and report that and do it timely, and I think that's even people understand that that's written into most policies. What are the next steps after you report it? What can people expect from, say, Pierre, the other side's insurance company? Will they be contacted by somebody? 
seeking a, a you know a, 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 some sort of statement on the on the issue? Yeah, what you can expect is number one, when you contact your own insurance company, they're going to want all the details of of what exactly happened and what your injuries are. Um, and you are required because it's your insurance company to cooperate with their investigation. Uh, it's also likely that, again, if you're not represented, which insurance companies love people who are not represented by attorneys, they will, uh, the other person, the other insurance carrier for the driver who struck you will reach out to you and they will ask to do what is called a recorded statement, usually over the phone where they want to record it. They want to get to you as quickly as possible for two reasons. They want to lock you into a statement and they want to make sure you're not represented, right? Because if you are represented, then they have to speak to your attorney and not to you. And if you have an attorney, any good attorney, including us, is going to say, you are not going to give a recorded statement to the other side's insurance company. It serves no good purpose for you. Again, the only thing they are concerned about is paying as little money as possible to pay for your injuries and your medical care and your lost wages. So it's important then that you do not give a recorded statement to the other side. Right. So again, an obligation to participate with your own insurance carrier, but and many people don't know this, no obligation to participate with requests uh, for statements or discovery before the case is in, in suit, and we're, we're heading toward that next uh, factor, but before a lawsuit has been filed, you are under no obligation to participate with the other insurance company's request for information. Many people don't know this, and that's why it's important to contact uh, you know somebody that can give you good advice on scenarios like this, like a lawyer at Scarpello and Latour. Now let's talk about insurance, filing a claim, are there limitations, Pierre? But here's 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 a term we're going to use that everybody knows has heard, but very few people may know. What is the difference in your insurance policy between limited tort and full tort? Well, this this is huge. Um, I, I firmly believe that they come up with names like this just to confuse people. And 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 when people when people sign up for insurance, right? You call you call a big insurance carrier. And you say, give me a quote for a policy, right? And most of these insurance companies will quote you a a number for six months or a year of coverage. And most people, understandably, are looking at the bottom line, right? They'll say, well, how much is this going to cost me? And and they'll hear the number. They're like, this is going to be this blank amount of money, right? And people are usually, you know, in this day and age, it's understandable. People are looking to save a buck wherever they can, right? On everything from groceries to your electric bill to your insurance, and what insurance companies have come up with cleverly is a way to what they are going to tell the consumer is a way to save a buck, but you're really ending up costing yourself money in the long term. And that's the idea behind limited tort. And what limited limited tort means, you have to elect it, right? It's very clear. So they don't have to explain it to you, but what the insurance representative will tell you is, well, listen... Um, you know, the policy for this, uh, the price for this policy is 500 bucks, but if you go with limited tort, it's only going to be 400, right? You're going to save 20 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month. And most people not understanding the difference between limited tort and full tort will say, all right, well, well, give me the limited tort. That's more money in my pocket, right? Well, what limited tort really does, which was the idea, again, was created by the insurance industry, was to prevent you from recovering for pain and suffering. Well, why is that important? Because 
pain and suffering can be really important for you to recover from in an auto accident. An auto accident, if you get seriously injured in an auto accident, it's not just broken bones, right? It's not just the time you miss from work. It's the pain and suffering that you go through. You might be in a hospital for days or sometimes weeks. You might have to endure multiple surgeries. You might end up suffering from a permanent injury that prevents you from enjoying something that you normally do, playing with your kids, going for a walk, spending time with your loved ones, right? Well, if you're limited tort, right, the insurance company's going to say, sorry, you can't recover from that. You know, we'll pay, well, listen, we'll we'll pay your medical bills, right, because we're required to, and we'll pay to fix your car, But anything above and beyond that, which really is kind of a lot of these more serious cases, you are prevented from recovering. Now, there are certain exceptions. Unless, unless. There are certain exceptions that we'll go through. The number one, you know, we can break it down this way. Number one is that you're not limited. Even if you have a limited tort um, policy, you can, the term is pierce that. You can get past that if you have a serious permanent injury right? So if you have many times a herniated disc, if you have a broken leg or a broken arm or other serious injury, even though you're limited tort, you still may be able to recover for pain and suffering. However, it's going to be a fight, right? That's where you need a good lawyer because I'm telling you, if you're limited tort, the insurance company is going to fight you, all right? There are certain exceptions. There's four big ones, right? Not limited to these four, but the four big ones are this. Number one, if you get hit by an out-of-state driver and you're limited tort, you become full tort right there, okay? So if you're driving down Broad Street and all of a sudden you get T-boned at the intersection, uh, you know, at, at Broad and Wolf, and the person that hits you is, a, is you know, of driving a vehicle from the state of Virginia, you're not limited tort anymore, you're full tort. Number two, uh, same idea. You're driving down the street, all of a sudden, bang, you get smashed from behind and seriously injured by somebody who is drunk or under the influence of alcohol, and that person gets arrested for and charged with DUI, you are not limited tort. You become full tort, right? Um, number three, if you are a pedestrian, okay, so I have a vehicle, I have a limited tort policy, but I'm walking down the street, I'm crossing the street, and all of a sudden, you know, a car runs a red light runs me over, breaks my hip. I am not a limited tort. I'm not limited tort restricted because of that. I am full tort because I was a pedestrian. And finally, if you are struck by somebody who is uninsured, right? They are violating the law because they struck you. They don't have any insurance whatsoever. Even though you have a limited tort policy, you become full tort. Right. And, you know, it's every con- every policy that you have with an insurance company is essentially a contract. And this limited tort versus full tort um, phrases that we're using is a term of that contract where the insurance company, the the people that you're making the deal with, they are limiting their exposure in exchange for a lower monthly premium. They are saying you can only sue in certain events when you pierce the the threshold of, of physical injury, meaning if you got a broken bones, if you're seriously injured, if you're thrown from the car, those co- those cases uh, would would fall into the full tort category. Or, I'm sorry, would fall into the serious injury category. But on, if you have more minor injuries, um, you know, muscle injuries, uh, pains that won't go away, headaches, whiplash, 
uh, and they result from the negligence of somebody else, and you, you elected the limited tort policy, meaning that choice rather than full tort, what it means is that the insurance company, you are unable to sue the other side's insurance company unless you could prove a more serious injury. Now, when you purchase the full tort option, that requirement of proving a serious injury is not a prerequisite, meaning if you pay for the extra insurance, for the full tort insurance, if you have a stub your toe or break your head open in two, it doesn't matter. If you're not responsible for that injury, if somebody else caused that injury, you will not be barred from filing a lawsuit because your injuries were not serious enough. And that's the big difference. That's the deal that you're making with the insurance company. But when we say limited versus full, you really have to think of it in terms of the insurance company. They are limiting their own right. exposure to having to pay you. By paying a little extra each month, God forbid, nobody wants to be in an accident. But when you need insurance, that's when you want the insurance. Right. And you, sometimes people don't figure out until too late that, oh gosh, I really should have gone for the extra. And, and it really is a creation of the insurance industry. I mean, yeah. and, and what they're really selling the customer, which is not fair, is the fact that if you're, again, if you're a customer and you say, well, I have insurance, this will be covered, right? It's not true. Go get the full tort policy. If you have a limited tort policy, call up your rep and change it, right? right. Do not get a limited tort policy. It's not. I'm not saying that, like we said, there are exceptions. You can get past it. But again, this is just a mechanism created by the insurance industry to limit the amount of money they have to pay people who are injured as a result of their client's own negligence, right? right? And, no and, other reason. And these, these terms aren't easy. Um, a lot of people don't understand them. That's why... The, yeah. It's important to call a lawyer. And, you know, if you have questions about your own insurance policy, feel free to call us up right now and we'll discuss that with you free of charge. Now, we're we're heading into the next really step of this. You've you know, you've been at you've been in an accident, you've uh, reported the accident, you're now attending treatment, you uh, have been gotten received requests from the uh, other side's insurance company for perhaps a recorded statement. You decide that you need to contact an attorney and you're really thinking about filing a lawsuit because you're out of work, uh, the pain just won't go away, any number of reasons. Let's start first with the time limit. Everybody talks about statute of limitations. Right, statute of limitations. What is the statute? What are the statute of limitations? What is the statute of limitations for an automobile accident type case like we're talking here, Pierre? In Pennsylvania, it's two years from the date of the accident. So you have two years from that date. So if 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 uh, if you're injured, if the accident happens on January first, twenty twenty, you have essentially until December thirty first, twenty. That's a bad date to pick, but <laughs> it's going to be confusing. Two years later. Two years later. This is so why June, we became lawyers. Yeah, not yeah, June would be a better one. So if it's you're injured on June first, twenty twenty, you would have basically until May thirty first. 2022 to file a lawsuit and what and what the statute of limitations are first of all it's a statute that limits the time it's enacted by the legislature right it's different in each state in pennsylvania it's two years but it serves as an absolute defense for the person that you're suing if you are if you go beyond that and, and courts we can't stress this enough courts take that very seriously so if you are one day late two weeks late you know much less years late after the fact the opposing party is going to allege, is going to raise this defense of the statute of limitations, 
and in certain situations, your case will be bounced out, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's a hard and fast rule. And again, so what it's what what's important to do, you know, you can see here how, how something, you know, as kind of simple as a car accident can get very complicated very quickly. Um, and that's why it's so important that you contact a lawyer who specializes in this area of the law, specializes in personal injury, has handled these types of cases. Call somebody like myself or my partner, Josh Scarpello at Scarpello and Latour. Uh, you can reach us here at 215-732-0460. We are available any day of the week, uh, night or day, weekends as well. You can also go to the website we have is www.phillybestdefense.com. That's all one word, P-H-I-L-L-Y, bestdefense.com. You'll see all types of information on our website. You can contact us via email through the website. Ask any questions, again, night or day. Uh, if you've been injured, if you have questions about an accident or about what you should be doing or what your rights are or what you know, how much your case may be worth, call us and speak to us today. We're happy to speak to you. There is no charge for any type of consultation. Right. Whether we, you know, Whether we can talk to you over email, whether we talk to you on the phone, or whether we have you come into the office and sit down and review your case in person. Call us at 215-732-0460. We are here night and day, ready to answer your questions, ready to help you, ready to protect your rights. Justice for All is sponsored by Jose Pistolas. Jose Pistolas is your neighborhood bar with a huge sports problem. If you want the best in modern Mexican cuisine, with a side of crushing margaritas while being surrounded by the best draft list and craziest staff in town, head down to Jose Pistolas, located at 263 South 15th Street, in the heart of the city of brotherly love. All right, welcome back to Justice for All, the podcast. Um, we're on to uh, more interesting topics. Uh, we're going to talk a little uh, football today. Most specifically, we have uh, we have the Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. Kind of a big game. Yeah, yeah. People like the people like that. It's still on a. Um, you know, I have to go back and change something. I don't know if I ever brought it up, but like, I, you know, my number one pet peeve is the fact that the Super Bowl is on Sunday night. That's another topic for another time. But that'll I, be a, that'll be a sports or we'll change. That I rule. don't understand why we don't have the Super Bowl on Saturday night. It's honestly the dumbest. Either that, or either that, or make up a fake holiday after the Super Bowl, right? right? So you get that Monday off. You know, call it whatever you want. Hang, it should be called Hangover Monday. Yeah, that's fine. I would be all for that. <laughs> but I mean. I mean, stop. I mean, you can't make you can't have this like big national event and want everybody to have fun and celebrate and drink and enjoy themselves and have the game start number one at six o'clock on a Sunday. Right. Who does that? No, I don't. I mean, the Catholic Church comes up with holidays where you have obligations between six o'clock at night and later, but yeah. usually that that involves attending church. Here is you know the Super Bowl has essentially become a holiday. Yeah. There's all day coverage. There's nothing like it. There's no there's no program on television that's quite like the Super Bowl. Everybody watches it every time it comes yeah. around. And yeah, there's a lot of people that take off the next day because everybody likes to have parties. They like to get together and they like to celebrate. So we're we're talking about the big game and we're talking about the, the um you know the, the, the big player in the game as far as Philadelphia is concerned. 
uh, would be Big Red himself. Andy Reid. Andy Reid. <laughs> Which just conjures up so many emotions. And again, the I'm... The mustache, I'm, the cheeseburgers. I am neither a Philadelphia native nor an Eagles fan, but it gives me no... It just gives me so much joy just watching the visceral reactions that people in this town have to Andy Reid. I mean, he is as polarizing a figure as i think there is in philadelphia sports right absolutely i mean as you know and we're going to talk about him and his you know really the topic will be andy Reid. is he great is he mediocre um he's certainly a great football coach but how will he be remembered in philadelphia well let's i'm going to stop you there because i i think you're just you're you're jumping the gun a little bit i mean to just make the statement that andy Reid is a great football coach are we sure that's true well yeah i mean look by any objective standard andy Reid is one of the winningest coaches um, right in the history of the coaches i mean that and that includes both well, that's not true. I should check my stats. Let's, let's, I, I, I was going to say his postseason <laughs> record is great too. It's really not. His, oh, his regular you, season record, though, it stands. You know, he's probably top ten, if not top eight, in wins. In fact, I think I just saw that he's approaching two hundred wins. He's coached for now twenty years, and he's averaged about ten wins a year for twenty years, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Which right. is which is enough to say. Okay. He, knows, he knows what he's doing. You've just met the definition of winningest coach, right? Is that what we're talking about? The winningest coaches or greatest coaches? Greatest coaches really is the topic. Thing. Okay. That so, is the coach. Where so name, where where does he stand? Where do, where do you put him on the pantheon of coaches? Is he even on the, the pantheon? pantheon? No, coaches? I think you're I think yeah, but he's not. I don't think he's in the pantheon. Well, again, will will that change if he wins the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Okay. If he if Andy Reid wins a Super Bowl, and I'm not making the argument that if you win the Super Bowl, you are a Hall of Fame coach, right? But, you know, you know, it's the one thing from his resume that's probably missing, although there are other things that are missing as well. Um, he's, this is his 21st year coaching, right? Mm-hmm. He has won over 200 games, in fact, 207 games to be precise. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, his record in... The playoffs is 500. He is 14 and 14 in the playoffs. He has won one conference championship. Oh, he's won two now this year. So now he's two and what? Two and four in the conference championship. Right. That's right. Before that, he was one and four. and never won a Super Bowl. So let me let me let me throw a couple of numbers out for wait, you. Wait, wait, wait a second. They lost the conference championship last year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So that's another conference championship. He's two and five. So he's still okay. Great. He's been, so, he's been in seven title games to get to the Super Bowl. He's won now twice. Okay. okay. Right. So here here are some numbers, okay? Right. This is so this is Coach A, right? Mm-hmm. Coach A. Coach A coached for twenty one years. Coach A. Go ahead. His his career record was two hundred and one twenty six. That's a six thirteen winning percentage. Very good. Sounds right? good to me. He had eleven seasons in which he had double digit wins. So eleven seasons he won ten games or more. Right. He was five and thirteen in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. No Super Bowls. Does his name rhyme with Martin Mimer? <laughs> it, it might. <laughs> Botten Bender. Coach B, also coaching for 21 years. Ooh. Ooh comparison with numbers. Yeah. Uh, career record of 207 and 128, which is a 618 winning percentage. That's pretty good. Nearly identical. 14 and 14 in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I've given away who it is, obviously. 
14 seasons with double-digit wins. Right. All right. So, right. obviously, the number two is Andy Reid. Number one is, yes, Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah, and now, yeah. is Marty Schottenheimer a Hall of Fame coach? Yeah. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Well, first of all, is he in the Hall of Fame? Wait, I don't know. Is how he gonna, big is your Hall of is Fame? Is your Hall of Fame, it's got to be the Empire State Building. Are you letting everybody in the Hall of Fame? What are your criteria? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, certainly you can't, you can't, I think, ignore the success that these coaches have had building, building programs. And Marty Schottenheimer built programs in Kansas City and then later in San Diego, programs that were really you know, moribund and just really bad. Performers. By the way, this last season in San Diego, he went 14-2 and two with a guy named LaDainian Tomlinson, who was the MVP, lost in the first right. round of the playoffs. I, I, I think you I think you have to analyze these, these guys taking into account everything that they bring to the table and what modern coaches are expected to do and what they have done. And, and Schottenheimer was probably one of the first ones in the sense that he was a coach that they had that the, the the team had given immense responsibility to to turn around ailing franchises and make them into not just flashes in the pan but consistent winners albeit not the ultimate consistent winners, winners that then came up horrifically right. short time yeah. and time again in the playoffs yeah and Schottenheimer you know will forever be tied to those games you know um where he lost, where he had better teams, and yeah. you know, and I don't think anybody blames him for like the '80s and the Cleveland right. Browns, where you know Elway beats him. They had the fumble, he had the oh, drive, the and the cat. Er, yeah. yeah, now the now the, the catch was Joe Montana. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the Niners. <laughs> this thinking year. of Bill Walsh. Oh, whatever. Another Hall of Fame coach. The fumble was uh, was uh, Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner right. fumbled Ernest going Biner. into the end zone. They lost that game, and then there was the drive in which Elway drove them yeah, down. That's what I was thinking in the last minute. And they, so he lost. So Schottenheimer, as a coach of the Browns, lost back-to-back AFC championship games to, to the Broncos, right. where Elway or a fumble beat them both times. I think the bigger criticism is if you go back and look at his his history with the Chiefs and with the Chargers, in which he had multiple seasons, in which he was 12-4, and 13-3, or even 14-2, and two, and lost in the first round. Right. Um, which is why, I mean, again, my point is that it's not called the Hall of the Very Good, right? <laughs> it's the Hall of Fame. Well, um, and right now, Andy Reid's in the Hall of the Very Good, and right? A, and he has a chance to change that. He by, does by winning one, and game. and and that is, I I think, you know, that's going to be a lot of the buzz and, and all the press and the stories coming up here. Is that is this? Now, I, I guess some people will defend him no matter what. And I'm listen, I'm not here. I'm not a Reed hater. Um, I think, but I think he's a lot like Marty Schottenheimer, who was a very good coach for a number of years. He's he's done he, he's done it with two teams where Schottenheimer did it with three, like you said, which is, you know, Reed was fantastic at coming in and taking over kind of like a rudderless or directionless right. franchise, and very quickly. Right turning them around and making them a perennial playoff team. He was a program builder. He yeah. is a program builder. Um, but, I mean, it, 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 it's got to count against you. It's, you know, the toughest thing in sports is to win a championship. But it's kind of, you know, it's not the be-all, end-all. But, you know, if, if you've been in the in, in the business for 20 years, um, and like you just said, I mean, your record, your record in conference championships is 2-5. and five. Abysmal. Abysmal. Um, yeah. you gotta win one, right? Yeah. You, you know, he's, you know, and again, so let me ask you this, would it change your opinion? And, and this is kind of like a staple of, of Schottenheimer too. And Reed, if you go back and look at the stats, like Schottenheimer and Reed, 
are, are considered what? They're kind of considered offensive coaches, right? Correct. You know, kind of, you know, revolutionaries, changing the thing. And you look at their regular season results, and their teams are just steamrolling through the – they're scoring 30 points, 40 points a game. And you, and you look at their playoff results, and all of a sudden they're losing in the playoffs, and the scores are like 14-10 and 17-14. Right. So um, – the criticism of Reed was always that, well, he doesn't adapt, right? Right. And you heard that when he was coach of the Eagles all the time is that not a good game day coach, right? right? You know, he would have a plan. It would come in there. Something would kind of go sideways in the first right. half, and they would come out in the second half, and, and Reed wouldn't adjust. He yeah. would just kind of stick to the game plan. You know, like a couple of years ago, I mean, again, with the Chiefs, when, you know, he's turned the Chiefs into this powerhouse, and he was the same way with the Eagles. Throw, 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 mm-hmm. throw, and if in doubt, throw again. Right? right, and that's what killed him a couple years ago in that um, that Chiefs playoff loss. He had a couple losses. Uh, one, well, two. They lost to the Colts his first year. The Colts game they where they're up. up by three or four touchdowns, like and he kept throwing the ball, right? Because yeah. he won't adapt. Yeah, but you know, in his defense, that is the modern NFL. And if he wins a Super Bowl this year, you can bet it's not going to be thirteen to ten. It's probably going to be 35-24. You know, the modern NFL, and he's a modern NFL coach, relies on outscoring the opponent well, and by passing the ball a lot. Here's the, question, here's the question again, right? He's, he, he is now going to his second Super Bowl. He is bringing a team that has arguably the number one offense in the entire NFL, right? right? Arguably, he has the MVP of the NFL. Absolutely. Um and what happens then if he goes in and they get blown out? What if what if San Francisco wins this game thirty to ten? Does that change anything, or is it just like, well, poor Andy had a rough day, and boy, San Francisco was really good? And- I think it'll just cement for me and for every Philadelphian that really bitterly <laughs> blames him for all that disappointment. And I do. I'm sorry. It's irrational. <laughs> I can see. I, I look. I can step aside and objectively say he's done a lot of good things for the Eagles because the Eagles were really bad before he came here. And I do agree with the argument that since you know the modern Eagles and the modern tradition of winning really traces back to Andy Reid, and it wasn't before that. I mean, yeah. I, I grew I mean, up. You in, have to go back to Vermeil, right? right? But for him to you know, it's two sides of the same coin. Fantastic in some ways, maybe in team organizing and team building, but has always been a terrible game day coach. And I'm not sure he's gotten any better, but I think he's got his best shot this year because he has the best player on the field. Um, they're in, you know, I think I, I think if they get into a scenario where they get down, that might actually help them because Mahomes is such a wonderful. Well, a quarterback, it, and you've seen it happen in the playoffs twice, right? They were down twenty-four yeah. nothing to Houston, yeah. and they were down what seventeen right. seven. So seven? you're almost yeah. taking the Andy Reid out right. of the, the equation, you know, and the, taking the Andy Reid and making him adjust to to being down. I think he just in that scenario now he can just put it in the hands of Pat Mahomes and say, Pat, let, let's run run and gun. You know, we're down. We got to open it up anyway. Their offense is better when it's opened up. I mean, what did they score? 50 straight points against, uh, Yeah, what was that, uh, the Ravens or whatever? Who were they down against? The Ravens or the Titans where they were down 24 points in that game. It's amazing the way they score. Texans. It was the Texans Texans, game. sorry. Yeah, 24 nothing. Never had – I mean, it's it's tough to compare Mahomes to anybody else before him in the NFL, and, and it's tough to compare this offense – in, in 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 its potency, you know what I'm saying, and that's why I think he's got his best chance. But yes, Pierre, if 
if Andy Reid loses, mm-hmm. there will be a smile on my face <laughs> and on others because I think it will just cement the fact that, hey, look, you do a lot of good things, Andy. Are you As are, a game day coach, you stink. Are you are you rooting for him to lose, though? Yes, I am. <laughs> I am 100% now, now take, take, take your time and think about your answer. I will. I will. <laughs> and like I said, it may not be rational. It may not be fair. It may not be nice. But, but I, you are. I you're literally. You're sitting there. It's almost like it's like that. Those stupid 1972 Dolphins. That when the last undefeated team loses right. and they they pop that champagne and they're all like, yeah, we're the last undefeated team. You and uh, many other Philadelphians, you think, are going to be sitting down at Super Bowl Sunday and pretending not to care, but secretly in their heart of hearts, they're like, God, I hope Andy Reid loses. We're going to all <laughs> act like we don't care if he wins, but I don't want him to win. And I'm like I won't be happy when he wins, and in fact we we're gonna we're gonna give you our, our our picks at the end of this segment, but I'm almost certain that Kansas City will win because it's gonna I, make you angry. Yes, because I so want them to lose. I really so want them to lose. I want to stick it in his face. I want him to have a. I want him to eat that that you know that sandwich that loser sandwich one more time. All right. And, now, and it be and it be on somebody else's plate, and I can sit from a distance and say, you know what, Andy, good for you. You gave us Doug Peterson. You gave us a lot of good things, but I'm not over all that disappointment. I'm just not. I'm just and, not. And the amazing thing is, is that you feel this way coming off a Super Bowl win right. of your own right. Philadelphia it, Eagles. Imagine how bitter I would be. <laughs> if I mean. Do you th- what would the what what do you think the collective mindset would be of Eagles fans and Philadelphians if you had lost that Super Bowl and Andy Reid won this year? Look, I mean, and again, this burning was, looting in the streets. Yeah, I mean, there would be a lot of really. I mean, and I, I I think that's proof that there is a higher power in this world that we were given that 2017 Super Bowl title. Finally, the Eagles mm-hmm. have never. Won the Super Bowl, have only been in it twice before then, because it was payback for all those years where, even before Andy Reid, the Eagles franchise is not exactly steeped in glory. Well, but there are others, know, there are other franchises no, that suffered more but, than you. Oh, no, I don't know about that. Oh, yes, no, they I don't have. know about that. And, the Detroit and, and Lions. In, ter- in terms of, well, who cares about Detroit? <laughs> in terms about big uh, of big cities with like original franchises that have been mm-hmm. around forever. Their track record has been terrible. Then you had to hear from all the other teams in the NFC East, too. The Cowboys, the Redskins, the Giants. Uh, we were all the only ones that weren't in that club. We were constantly having that, you know, stinky shoe put in our face and you say, got, you know what? You've got a lot of anger. We do have a lot of anger. Do have a lot of anger. I mean, it was only, I mean, that at least that part of it has been lifted by finally saying we did it, right? And we finally did it. Mm-hmm. But with Andy, we got so tantalizingly close. And, you know, we really, I think Philadelphians are, are true like this. We, when we like a team and we, and we get fully invested in that team for the time when things are going well. Right. There's no better fan base to have behind you because these, you know, a lot of, one thing that's common is we're passionate. We're a little unreasonable, but we love with our entire heart. And I think it was just like after the realization, especially when the Eagles started to turn down toward the end of uh, Andy's tenure here, the realization that all that emotional energy that we invested in all those teams that fell short and it it was not going to happen with Andy Mm Reid, that was just a bitter pill to swallow. And it really has taken a long time 
you know, even when he left, I mean, I, I part of me just wanted him as like punishment to be like banished to an island in the South Pacific somewhere. Never, you know, never to be heard from. You didn't again. put too much thought into this, though, right? <laughs> you, you sat in a dark room just thinking all the ways you wanted Andy Reid to be punished it's for not, his sins committed against the Eagles. I'm not obsessing about this at all. I'm not obsessing about this at all. I'm trying to make a point. That really, I mean, his tenure here was a great one, but it really was filled with a lot of, a lot of gut punching moments, a lot of moments, and and then when he finally left, I think the worry was, oh my gosh, he could go somewhere, win before he wins here, and then you're right, Pierre. If that had happened, I think that's a, I think that's kind of a uniquely Philadelphia thing, it is. which is that it when is. when people leave Philadelphia. There almost seems to be a, a consensus among the fans here is that they are so actively rooting for the player or coach yeah. to fail. It happened with Francona, right? Yeah. I mean, I've had this conversation with you. You know, Terry Francona was the was the manager of the Phillies in the, I don't even remember, the 90s. Yeah. And the Phillies were just flat out yeah. awful. And it was Francona's first managing mm-hmm. job. And, and he probably didn't do a very good job. I don't know. Um, but But the team was terrible. And he left town and he went to my team, the Red Sox, where he instantly became a folk hero right. by delivering the folk first hero. <laughs> and, a folk and, hero. And you guys are still angry about the yeah. fact that Terry Francona. He was probably in on that cheating scandal somehow. Can't prove it. You're going to find a way to ta- tap into the cheating scandal and ch- bring it back to 2004, right? That's correct. That's correct. No, I mean, that's a good example. I'll give you a couple other examples. Scott Rowland, people remember Scott yeah, Rowland. Scott Rowland was kind of a jerk. He right? was kind of a jerk. So that was an easy one. He went somewhere. I wanted. He wanted to. He didn't want to be here. Screw you, Scott Rowland. <laughs> you know we're always going to root against you. That's that's a good example. Well, let me ask. Well, you. here's another good example. Right. You know, somebody that people actually liked. Yeah, Jason Worth. Jason oh, Worth yeah, was yeah. beloved here. Boy, right. The he minute he turned left. on him in a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Left. I remember when he came back, seeing a picture in the Daily News. <laughs> He comes back with the first time uh, as a member of the Nationals, and he's walking off there after an at bat, and he's got you know the giant you know hip, right. hipster doofus beard. You know he was ahead of the right. curve there right. for we're looking like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And somebody there was a picture of somebody in the stands with a big sign that said you know nice beard, stupid. <laughs> Welcome back, thanks Welcome. thanks for the World Series championship. Jerk. Jerk. You had the temerity to actually leave <laughs> to take us. $127 million. Right. Right. I mean, that right. that's a, that kind of sums up how a lot of people feel. We're just, we feel like almost like we, these people belong to us. And right. They, you know, and it's for they, us to determine. It's a personal affront if anybody ever leaves Philadelphia and achieves any other success with another team. That's correct. How dare they? That's correct. So, I mean, it's, it's comp, you know, what can we say? It's complicated with Andy Reid. And it's always going to be. And, you know, I think he's going to win this week. But I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I, my first reaction is really is, I think, anger. Anger. <laughs> I mean, not real anger. Because, we, we again, because we've gotten ours. But if we didn't have yeah. that 2017 one, I'm telling you, I would be a bitter. I actually, I actually think, you know, and we're going to get to the game in a minute here. But I actually think that initially your reaction is going to be, 
you're going to outwardly be like, oh, good for Andy. You know, I'm glad I'm glad he won. But, you know, inside you're going to be like, you're still going to be kind of angry. And then what I think is that over time it gets worse. Yeah. And that as it simmers and sinks in and people are sitting around in their living rooms like four days later watching the parade in Kansas City and seeing, you know, big fat Andy on the on the front of it like holding up the Super Bowl trophy, people are going to start to get angry. It's yeah. gonna start, they're going to be like, I can't believe he won a Super Bowl in Kansas City. The only way he can cure it. The only way this situation could resolve itself, where we could, where the people that hate Andy Reid in Philadelphia would welcome him back, mm-hmm. would be Andy would have to pull a LeBron James. He'd oh, and return, to, yes. return yes. to the Philadelphia yes. Eagles, and he's got to win a champion. Yes. He's got to win and a Super Bowl. He said, "Philadelphia, <laughs> this is for you." I mean, that's uh, that's that, if 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 he could write that, then yeah, I could get behind an Andy Reid, you know, feel good story. Otherwise, I just feel like we're just like the sad, depressing chapter of his great book. You know, oh, the Philadelphia years. Now, now that you brought that up, I want that to happen. I want somehow, <laughs> whatever has to happen to make Andy Reid return to Philadelphia. You know, like Peterson gets fired and you go through like three losing seasons in a row and then Reid decides to come back here and lead you to the Super Bowl. I, I mean, even as a Cowboys fan, I would find that compelling. <laughs> It will be yeah. all right. So let's let, let's get let's dive into the game. We've talked. We believe me, we could talk about Andy yeah. Reid for an hour. But who do you like in the big game and why? I you know I don't know. I I, I, will, I will say this. Um, what is the line? What is the betting the, line? The here? Chiefs. The uh, as it stands right now, and we're still more than a week away from the game. Uh, the Chiefs are favored by a point and a half, which is. Vegas' way well. of saying they don't. It's a pick 'em, right? Yeah. They don't know. It's you know it's a neutral site game. Um, I think I saw at one point maybe the Chiefs opened as high as two and a half and it went back to a pick and now it's back to a point and a half. Um, I think the public is going to end up on the Chiefs side. I wouldn't be surprised if you even saw that line crawl up to three. Um, it, it's you know it's a great matchup. It's you know it's the best offense in the league versus the best defense. Um, I think. I, again, I think the public's going to be on the Chiefs. I think that the, you know, people are going to say, you know, and it, the storyline is it's Andy Reid's year, right? right? He's due. This is the he's due to win one. They got Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league. They've got a what looks to be an unstoppable offense, right? right? Um, that is rolling right now. They, you know, they they stumbled out of the gate to Houston, and since then have basically outscored their opponents something like ninety eight to twenty. Right. Um, and, you know, you look at San Francisco and you're like, eh, San Francisco, you know, they're here a little quick, right? They were 4-12 and last year. Now, all of a sudden, they're in the Super Bowl. Garoppolo's the quarterback. And, you know, he's a nice quarterback, but he's not, not Mahomes. Right. Um, One of these head coaches is going to erase the uh, moniker of being a loser in the big game, by the yeah. way. Well, one of them's been a head coach for two years. Yeah, but I mean, he was famously tied to that. You know, to well, the he, he yeah, yeah. Shot, uh, or, uh, Shanahan yeah. clearly has the 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 Falcons Super Bowl, the twenty eight to three, blowing that lead again. Very, very cha- Andy Reid channeled Andy Reid and refused to run the ball. If he had run the ball ten times in the second half, the Falcons win that game. Right. Um, so all of that being said. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take San Francisco. Uh, I'm gonna take San Francisco outright to to win this game, uh, mostly because I just think they're the more balanced team. I think that I think on offense they're underrated. 
Um, I think Garoppolo's a pretty good quarterback. I think they've got good receivers. I think Debo Samuels is a legitimate weapon, as good as anybody on the Chiefs. Uh, they've got the running attack. They run, um, you know, his they run his dad's old zone blocking scheme. You saw them just eviscerate the Packers with it. Um, where you know, and they've got they've got interchangeable parts. They've got that Mostert. They've got uh, Tevin Coleman, who's hurt right now, but is probably going to be available for the game. Um, they got Matt Breida. Uh, they got a ton of, you know, and that's on offense, right? And, and they got George Kittle, who quietly is the best tight end, better than Kelsey, uh, in the entire league. So I think, I think their offense, everybody's going to be talking about how the Chiefs offense, how good it is. And it, it is probably the best offense in the game. Um, but I think San Francisco's pretty close. And I think the difference is going to be this. I think the difference is going to be in that, you know, in some of these bigger games, defense matters. And I know, I know that Kansas City, as opposed to other years, has a decent defense, right? Their defense isn't bad. Right. Um, it's 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 pretty good, but San Francisco's is is really good. I mean, it's not two thousand Baltimore Ravens, it's not eighty five Bears, but it's right. really good. One of the reasons they're a real good team. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they can they can uh, put pressure on the on the quarterback without having to blitz. I mean, their defensive line's insane. Between Bosa and those other guys who are all young, they have incredible speed everywhere. They have speed on the line, speed at the linebacker position. Uh, they have good corners, um, and I think that's I think the difference is going to be this. And again, we bringing it all full circle back to Andy Reid, is that you know if you look at if, if you look at who you know Kansas City got a little lucky, right? Because you could, you know, listen, Kansas City was the two seed. Right. They didn't even have to play Baltimore, right? Balt- Baltimore all season was what everybody thought the best team in the AFC. Right. Uh, they lose, so you don't have to play Baltimore. They have to play a bad Houston Texans team. True. Which, again, this here's another point. So you're playing a bad Houston Texans team, right, at home, and you fall behind 24 nothing. Yeah. I mean, really, and I'll give the Chiefs credit for coming back from that. Let's not forget that up, I think, 24-7, Bill O'Brien called for a fake punt at his own 30-yard line. That's smart. Metrics. <laughs> Metrics. That's analytics. Analytics. It's analytics. Um, so, And then they play Tennessee, and listen, everybody loves the story of Tennessee, and they were a fun little story, but let's not forget Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback of your Tennessee Titans. Yeah, and again, he, he does stink, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's not, I mean, and again, they were losing in that game too. Yeah. So it's it's you know, it's not like the Chiefs beat both those teams 38 nothing and the games weren't close. They got a favorable draw. They yeah. absolutely did. They got a favorable draw. And and neither yeah. of those teams were, you know, on defense anything special. I mean, out of those two teams, I mean, you you would say what was their what was the biggest obstacle to winning? I guess in the first game, you'd say Deshaun Watson, right, right who is probably the most dangerous weapon Houston have, and uh, Derrick Henry on Tennessee, and you know they managed to shut Henry down after it looks like he got off to a decent start. But I I just think that they haven't faced a team like San Francisco yet. They certainly haven't faced a defense like San Francisco yet. Um, and again, I I don't think San Francisco is gonna gonna stomp them. But I, I think that San Francisco is going to be able to contain them enough that Andy Reid's not going to be able to adapt. And that I think, you know, I think San Francisco pulls it out. I don't, I don't think it's going to be more than, you know, a touchdown. But I, th- I think San Francisco's uh, going to win the game. What's, yeah. uh, what's your take? Well, yeah, I mean, look, that's, that's all rational and based on a lot of sound <laughs> reasons. That's all I got. I believe 
however, that the that the Chiefs are going to win for one reason primarily. God hates you, and that's because I <laughs> desperately want them to lose, and I will be rooting with all of my heart for them to crash and burn. But I do think, and that's not a that's not a rational reason. The rational reason might be, well, they have the best player in the game, mm-hmm. and I think he can blow the game up, Mahomes, by himself. Yeah, but I. However, really do think they are going to win for that one reason. I do not want him. And a lot of Philadelphians do not want him to win. I will say this, though. Even though I think they're favorites because of that, even though I think karma will be on their side, nothing would make me happier than for them to not only lose the game, but to lose the game late in the game. In humiliating fashion. some Because of some... Screw up right. by Andy Reid on the sidelines. He runs out of timeouts. Out, the, what the most Andy Reidish way to lose would be like he uses his third timeout because right. they're going to get a delay of game penalty with like eight minutes to go in the third, and then there's a horrendous call that's clearly like a fumble or a turnover of some sort, right. and Andy Reid can't challenge it because he's had because he used it. He He's used it on that out. first, on that second quarter to challenge the whether you know the spot or, right, or something. Right. You know? Oh yeah, he challenged like the spot of the ball right. in like the second quarter, which which he which he lost, and it only would have given him an extra two yards. Right. right? If, if clock management decides the Super Bowl, you know who will be the winner. That'll be San Francisco. <laughs> but anyway, that's how we see it from our perch here. Um, wherever you are, we hope that you enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, and whoever you're rooting for, we hope that you're just not rooting for Andy Reid. At least I hope you're not rooting for Andy Reid. But thanks for listening to the Justice for All podcast. I'm Josh Scarpello. And I'm Pierre Latour. Remember, if you need a good attorney for any reasons, criminal defense, civil cases, uh, personal injury, catastrophic injury, police brutality, and civil rights, give us a call at 215-732-0460. The Justice for All podcast is brought to you by Scarpello and Latour. At Scarpello and Latour, we have been fighting for the rights of those injured by the police and the negligence of others for over 20 years. At Scarpello and Latour, your case is our top priority. Call us today at 215-732-0460 and speak with myself or my partner, Josh Scarpello, for a free consultation. Again, that number is 215 215- 732-0460 or find us on the web at www.phillybestdefense.com.